This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 6, Episode 6, Cyberpunk. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. And I have metal plugged into my head. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, so we decided we would tackle the tricky topic of cyberpunk uh, this episode. Um, we talk about it a lot. It's kind of foundational in what happened in science fiction over the last 30 years. So we really need to talk about it. The thing is, there's probably going to be a lot of disagreement, even among us, about what cyberpunk means and what it is. Yeah. Um, so let's just throw it out. Who wants to start us off? Dan, what's cyberpunk by your definition? Cyberpunk, the literary genre? Yes. Cyberpunk, the literary genre. Um, Cyberpunk is a genre that is uh, typically near future, uh, earth-based, a lot of, uh, it's very heavily concerned with uh, internet, connectivity, uh, human augmentation, and uh, as far as that goes, actual, you know, human identity and, and changing what it means to be human altogether. Okay. Um, where does the punk part come from? The punk part comes from... I have no idea. Punk it's part, usually... The, the punk part p- comes from uh, indie, the independence, the, the idea that um, I'm going to make this myself, I'm going to cobble things together from parts, and I'm right. going to stick them where they need to go, and, uh, and, and that's kind of the, the fashion element of it, is uh, it's, it's Borg-like, but it's not corporate. Does that make sense? Well, I, I actually think it's more from the, the gritty aspect of it. Yeah, I, I would go a little with, with, with Mary here. It was gritty. It was anti-establishment, though. Yeah, it was very, yeah, very much yeah. the Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm driving at, okay. is that it's anti-establishment to the point that you're not wearing or using... Well, see, but that's... You're talking about the culture. We're not talking about the culture. The actual literature of cyberpunk yeah. was about hackers fighting big corporations in the near future. It's the street culture of the yeah. future. Right. Um, right, but the things that they are using are usually tools that they have made themselves. In a lot of cases, that's true. Um, you look at something like uh, Neuromancer. Even when it was, you know, they spent a lot of time collecting the very best equipment from other people, but then they use them to assemble their own computer pretty much yeah. everywhere and that's, they went. And that's the hacker, that's the hacker culture. I'm, I'm going to cobble together okay. what works. Okay. I'm disagreeing with you that that's a foundational element, but I said there's going to be lots of disagreement. Yeah, because, yes. I mean, certainly every quest story involves we have to gather all of these elements yes. to make. Um, now, granted, there's a big maker culture among the, the same group, um, mm-hmm. but I think that's grown out of something that started back in the 80s, which I've had explained to me as this. Um, people worried about the big corporations taking over and writing about the little guy in the near future fighting them and usually yeah. losing. Privatization mm-hmm. and all those things. Yeah. Also, another huge theme in cyberpunk that I neglected to mention is, uh, is the kind of the cultural clash between East and West. Yeah. Um, whether or not that was there in the beginning, uh, that has become such a part of it, you know, that everyone speaks Japanese and all these kinds of things. Yep. Yep, that's, um, that's a really good point. Um, I think it's the, the kind of worry about um, you know, the East taking over a little bit or the reaction against the worry about the East taking over and just kind of a melding of, mm-hmm. of, um, of society. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to define cyberpunk. We're going to get lots of comments, I'm sure, by cyber, cyberpunk purists <laughs> because a lot of people think cyberpunk died in the mid-'80s. Um, because cyberpunk was a punk genre 
written by a bunch of people who were not part of the corporate structure. And once things actually started selling and getting published and people began to know about cyberpunk, they said, okay, cyberpunk is now dead. There cannot see, be cyberpunk. And, and well, I can kind of see where those people are coming from, to yeah. me that makes it a useless definition. Right. Because then we're defining a, a fossil and that doesn't help us. If, if we yeah. want to write books that are similar to that, we, yeah. need to, we have to define it. Well, and I, I, I react against that myself also, even in the punk music genre. Um, people who get annoyed by the punk music genre when they get popular. Um, it's this idea that something popular can't also be good, and I dislike oh, I've that. Been, I've been told that I'm not making a webcomic anymore. Mm, right, right, because you're, you're now making <laughs> too much. Because you're successful. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere I heard that William Gibson did not own a computer and really? had never seen one. Wow. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised by that because inherent in Neuromancer and the rest of his, uh, his early trilogy uh, is this deep-seated fear of technology. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the Sprawl trilogy is about technology taking over and man becoming, you know, almost passed up evolutionarily by something we'd created. But the interesting thing is that because he sat down and thought, I wonder how they would work and how the, you know, how things would be connected in the future, mm -hmm. his vision of, of the visions of computers coming out of that period, his is the one that most closely maps to what actually happened. His, his and I would also say Scott Card with uh, Ender's Game presaged the internet yeah, very, that's true. very accurately. Yes. But, yes. but William Gibson, you're right. He got a lot of things, um, wetware and, and virtual reality, a lot of things that we have now before anyone thought we'd have them. Well, and we use the, the words that he coined as well. Mm -hmm. let's, um, let's shift this from defining and more into what do writers right now, say you're writing science fiction right now, what do you need to be aware of as a writer with um, regard to the cyberpunk movement? One of the things, I think one of the key elements that, that a, a cyberpunk story needs is um, clearly the cyber aspect of it. But it, okay. it, it's not just a trapping. It, it, is, the, it is the MacGuffin. It is, it is everything in the right. story. There needs, to be a, there needs to be a sense of wonder. And part of what is evoking that sense of wonder is, uh, it is yeah, that, that MacGuffin. If I could broadcast to the insides of my glasses or later on to the insides of my eyeballs, the blueprints of the building while I am walking through the building. Uh, what does that change? Mm -hmm. you know, how, does that, okay. how does that draw the reader into the story? I'm going to agree with your point, but I'm going to disagree with your, your word choice because I don't think sense of wonder yeah. is really accurate yeah. to the tone of cyberpunk. Well, no, really I, I get that because, because concomitant with the sense of wonder is the cautionary tale and the grittiness and mm -hmm. some of that because, because, yeah, part of what's happening is, oh, this is really cool, but watch out because the blueprints are wrong and you've just walked off a cliff well, or your yeah, eyeballs and, are and diseased. There's, there's or... a lot of world weariness, I think, yeah. in yeah. cyberpunk. It's cyberpunk not is weary. exciting new technology. It's, you know, cool old technology and frightening new technology. Right. And, and how is it being misused? I think a lot of yes. cyberpunk is about how this technology in is fact, being misused. I would say that cyberpunk was the, you know, it, our current dystopian... Um, sort mm. of fad that's hitting, mm -hmm. um, particularly in YA, but all, all around science fiction, can be traced um, part of its roots back to the cyberpunk movement. Um, because cyberpunk was a huge dystopian, um, kind of, you could say, an anti-Star Wars, anti-Star anti Trek. Anti-Star Trek, um, yeah. Anti, the future is, um, is bright and full of, um, of cool space battles, 
No, the future is grungy, dim, and horrible, is mm -hmm. what the, um, the, the envisioning of cyberpunk, and I think that's kind of grown into the current sense of dystopia. In, in defense of the sense of wonder, the, what, what's happening there is you've got the, uh, you, yeah, you've got the grungy, horrible future that is made out of wonderful things that everybody thought would be cool, and uh -huh. as you are looking at these individual technological pieces, you are real realizing, man, I've always wanted a jetpack, or I've always wanted this, and and it comes around to bite you. I mean, that's where that's where the dystopia comes from. We got mm -hmm. our wish, and right. and now we're all monsters. Right. Um, let's go ahead and do our book of the week. Um, Mary, I think you were going to pitch to us a Neil Stevenson book. Yes, The Diamond Age. Um, I think this is a really good entry book into cyberpunk because it, uh, the basic premise is that in the future there's a pushback to technology. So there's really heavy technology use, full-on cyberpunk use, but there's also this neo-Victorian era. Mm. Uh, and that's the, the title comes from the Gilded Age. It's... Um, it's got wonderful characters, high use of technology, and at the same time, there's, um, there's this gentility, like people wear hats, mm -hmm. again. Okay. <laughs> Umbrellas. All right, cool. And I, I loved Diamond Age. Yeah. Um, fantastic writer, one of the main cyberpunk writers of the, um, the early mm -hmm. 90s. So head on out to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse, kick off a 14-day free trial membership, uh, download a copy of... Uh, uh, Diamond Age by Neil Stevenson. Uh, have a listen, and uh, there you go. Um, we should mention a few other places you can look if you really want to figure out what cyberpunk is. Um, William Gibson is often lauded as one of the great writers, um, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, Neuromancer is the is the famous one. It won some, I think it won the Hugo. It won some, yeah. yeah, yeah it, it won, won some big, like big everything. Um, I mean, it was uh, it was it was foundational, it was groundbreaking when it came yeah. out. Um, if you want to uh, see it in cinema, you can watch uh, Blade Runner, um, which was um, a movie that grew out of the cyberpunk feel and things, which is interesting in that um, studying um, that has taught me that cyberpunk doesn't need to have cyberspace. I yeah. originally assumed that cyberpunk meant cyberspace, and I think a lot of people do think this. Like, for instance, they assume that you have to be doing what's going on in the Matrix, jumping into a Matrix mm -hmm. um, and hacking. And that's a big part of a lot of cyberpunk. Um, in fact, The Matrix is probably a, the best example of a pop cyberpunk story. Mm -hmm. It's got all those elements, dystopian future, um, technology, what does it mean to be human and all these things, but done yeah. kind of an action Well, and there way. was Keanu Reeves' previous uh, cyberpunk role in Johnny Mnemonic. Yes. Um, also by William Gibson. Also by uh, Gibson. Going back to my first definition, uh, a lot of cyberpunk is about human augmentation and human identity, which is exactly what uh, Blade Runner is dealing with. Yep. Yep, so um, if, if you're out there and you're wanting to write cyberpunk, number one, you probably need to read some of this. Yeah. In fact, no probably. You need to read some of this and know what's going on. In fact, if you're writing near-future science fiction, I think you need to be aware of what cyberpunk punk was talking about because if you aren't, you're going to have um, trouble being part of the dialogue and the mm -hmm. discussion. I think that's e even more urgent in the case of cyberpunk than in a lot of genres because yes. cyberpunk is the genre we're catching up to. Yeah, uh, that's part of the reason that it is becoming more popular again is because, you know, that's the future that's turned out to be true. That's the one we're moving into. We almost live in a cyberpunk world today in a lot right. of ways. Yeah, between my Bluetooth headset and my uh, my iPhone and my iPad, uh, I'm halfway there. The only thing that's missing is 
projection on the glasses and an actual implant. Well, and last year, uh, the movie The Social Network, that was a movie about millions of people interacting in a virtual space, and it was nonfiction. Yeah. yeah. That says a lot about where we are as a society. Right. Um, would you say that um, the whole fear of corporation and things, um, I mean, how is that part of cyberpunk today? Um, are we still worried about privatization? I mean, Snow Crash, a good Neil Stevenson book, postulates that all cities will eventually be owned by corporations. In fact, mm -hmm. each little division of a city will be sponsored by a different corporation. And, you know, they are the ones that own land and run cities. Yeah. I almost think that, that now the fear is, is towards government. Okay. I'm thinking of Cory Doctorow's Little Brother yep. as, as one example of that, which, had it been written in the 80s, would totally be cyberpunk. Yeah. But now it's just near future. Right. Um, I, I think we still are getting some corporate fear, though. I mean, yeah, to, to, it's to not some gone. degree, we're watching a, many wars and warlike conflicts being fought by corporations. Right, the, in the, the worry that the government is just run by a corporation who says, well, we need to go and fight this war so that we can protect mm -hmm. the, the, that, the interests of the, one of the main if I were political author, things yeah. going yeah. on. If I were an author, um, well, okay, so I am sort of an author, only most of the other <laughs> um, But if I were looking to write cyberpunk, um, I would explore both of those. Fear yeah. of the corporation, fear of the government, and I would try to extrapolate some sort of state uh, uh, state, you know, lowercase s, uh, right. some sort of, not equilibrium, but something in which, uh, in which that's resolved in a weird way. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what I'm looking for yet. Uh, maybe we could can of worms that and brainstorm it. I don't know. Right. Um, well, and next week what we, we've decided we're going to do is we will brainstorm a cyberpunk story to kind of do a show versus, instead of a tell. This is our descriptive podcast. The next Great. One we'll now try I'm to actually, actually... going to have to come up with this. So. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to say, show how we would build a story and then put it in the cyberpunk genre. Um, but it's, it's interesting to, to be, if you're writing cyberpunk right now, to be looking at this genre because of what's been said. It is, we are catching up to it. And so the cyberpunks are moving, the, the cyberpunk stories are moving further in the future. Um, they're moving mm -hmm. a more science fiction-y, um, but they're, 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 there's this whole concept of the singularity um, and problems there and what's really going to happen. Um, it's an interesting place to be writing. It's also kind of scary to be writing, yeah. honestly, because um, there, are, there are so many things to take into account. I mean, how the internet changes science fiction. Oh, the things that you, the things that you need to research in order yeah. to get your computer tech right. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could sit and read uh, the... Um, not the opinion articles, but just the news articles on tech uh, from Wired and Slashdot right. and wherever else. You'd read nothing but that as source material uh, every day for a month and still yeah. only be scratching the surface. Well, yeah, and, I will, and that's, well, go ahead, Mary. Well, I will say, speaking of the future and things happening now, I will say that one thing that I think that uh, cyberpunk posits that I don't think will happen are uh, surgical implants of, of computer stuff because as fast as technology is changing right now, I can't imagine a future where people are willing to be yeah confident in, enough in in any tech wanting that yeah. long term. I think I think external patches absolutely those are going those yeah. But well, um, one one of the things I was going to mention is uh, Lauren Bukes, uh, South African cyberpunk writer who's uh, up for the Campbell this year. Her uh, big books are Moxie Land and Zoo City. In Moxieland, there's a character who has uh, sold part of her uh, skin as advertising space to a corporation, which was really cutting-edge stuff when Lauren wrote it two or three years ago. 
And we're kind of already seeing that again. I mean, two or three years ago, I so, saw that happening in 2001 at Comic Con. Well, there you go. It's mm-hmm. it, it's so hard to stay cutting edge in yeah. this genre, right? Because our own technology is advancing so fast. All right. Well, let's um, go ahead and do a writing prompt. Um, does anyone have one they want to throw at us? I I've, I've got one. Okay. I've got one. Uh, playing off of the uh, the the patches stuff, you have a cyberpunk. Uh, cyberpunk setting in which tattoos are you know are you know the equivalent of implants and you've got somebody who gets a tattoo and for some reason they now need to have that to tattoo removed you know obsolescence or a hack or something but you you know tattoo removal your tattoo got hacked your tattoo got hacked (laughs) that's nice yeah i dig it all right this has been writing excuses you're out of excuses now go write If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 